Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Series, a month-long event celebrating the authors and narrators that bring romance stories to life. Listen along as Viviana, Enchantress of Books, interviews your favorite writers and voices, share special guest posts, and stay tuned for some special information at the conclusion of the episode. Hi, everyone. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with guest narrator Carly Robbins, a.k.a. CJ Bloom. Welcome to the Audiobook Loving Series, Carly. How are you doing today? Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I am doing excellent. I'm so excited to be here. You are such a support system to our entire community. So I'm really just honored that you asked me to be a part of this and to share my story and my experience and for you to, you know, bring and introduce me to all of your listeners if they don't know who I am, but also just your wonderful support for our community. I really thank you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that very (laughs) much. So it's, it's, it's a great community when it comes down to the listeners and things like that. And I'm happy to be a little bit of that bridge between the, the listener and the narrators, the author, especially when this first started, there wasn't a whole lot of social media. So now it's, the, I'm still a bit of the hookup girl. Like I hook you up, <laughs> <laughs> but it's still, it's a great honor to talk to you. So I appreciate you taking the time to be here. Um, you have yeah. been on my wish list, So thank you. It's like check mark off, <laughs> but now you're stuck with me because now once you're here, you're like family and, and you know, you're always oh. here. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, of course. Yeah, no, again, it's all about community and loving on each other. So um, and being positive in this world. Well, why don't we start with having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been narrating, how you got into it, and, and also the whole thing with the pseudonym, you know, how that came about. You got it. Okay. So a little bit about me. I always wanted to be an actress from a very young age. I was involved in musical theater growing up. I still love musical theater. I live in New York City now, Brooklyn technically, and love to see shows still. It's a big part of my life and my heart, even though I didn't pursue that as a career. But that's really where my love of art and being a performer came from. And I had wanted to move to New York to be an actress, to be a stage actress, and just felt as if it was very challenging. As I'm, there's no actor out there that says it is. And so I have, you know, this is not a story that's never been told before. Oh my goodness, it's difficult to become an actress. <laughs> no, everybody knows it. And it is just as hard as you think it's going to be. And yet something still draws you to it. So I, you know, came to New York, would get a show and to get into a stage production, you know, it's years in the making because it takes so long and then the, everybody breaks up when it's done and then you don't hear from those people forever. And so it's very hard to like build a community and consistent work based off of that. And so I would sort of just felt like I wasn't making any inroads. I started to produce and write some of my own things and started working in voiceovers and commercials and uh, doing like a couple of what they call under fives where it's like you have five lines or under on soap operas when they all existed in New York. And I loved that. That was like a consistent gig. I would go like once a month, sometimes twice a month if I was lucky. And that was a a lot of my life for many, many years. But I didn't feel as if I was sort of moving up in the world. But every audition that I went on, everybody said to me, you must work a lot in voiceovers. And I had maybe done like one or two voiceovers or would go out for things, but randomly and probably non-union to be quite honest. And once you hear that enough, you realize that maybe they're hearing something, right? Because the way that you talk differs sounds the same as what everybody hears. And so I think there must have been something in my voice. And I started to lean into that and started to seek out friends of mine who I knew worked in the business and then trying to learn as much as I could. And I happened to be having a lunch with like a friend of a friend of a friend, somebody I wasn't, I don't even remember why we agreed to have lunch. She wasn't particularly close to me. And she, I don't know, we were just talking about where we were in our careers or things like that. And I was deeply frustrated, felt like I hadn't sort of made any work consistently, was proud of the stuff I was able to do, but maybe was looking to change gears. And she was like, oh my God, I know a a guy, he's an engineer and he's got like all this like voiceover work stuff. You should totally give him a call. And I was like, okay, that sounds totally suspect. (laughs) (laughs) I know this guy. (laughs) I know this guy. He's got tons of work. Okay, sure. Yeah, no problem. They're just going to hire me. Um, And lo and behold, she was correct. She put me in touch with him. And that was Pete Rowan, who is an engineer who's been working in this business for a very long time. And he has Rowan Studios in Queens. And he was, he actually replied to me 
and at first was like, okay, yeah, who are you kind of thing and said, you know, they just started this website, ACX, why don't you go on it and sort of learn a little bit, you know, newbie, who do you think you are kind of person. (laughs) And I had grown up listening to audiobooks and I had never, it never even once entered my mind that I could do it in my career as an actor. And I have no idea why it just wasn't even anywhere in there as like a thing that I could do. And so he sent me to ACX and I was like, oh my God, (laughs) what is this world? And it was like, yeah, it was like jazz hands. It was in its infancy stages. So there weren't that many people on it. And it was like big authors who had just like retained their audiobook rights because at that point, this was back in 2013, I think. And at that point, you know, Audible was still in its infancy, but it had been purchased by Amazon. So they were sort of flooded with, you know, having the independent arm of Kindle publishing along with ACX and all these sort of things were coming together where people were really looking at another opportunity to get their their books into another art form. And my first audition, I booked it. And and then Pete was like, why don't you come in and do an audition for me? And at the time, Audible had bought, I don't even know how many thousands or hundreds, who knows, old back titles because they were just trying to put content up. So they would give Pete like a book dump of like 30 books for him to do a month. And then he would sort of have like his merry band of rascals. <laughs> and he would, and he would cast you get an audiobook and, and you get an audiobook and you get an audiobook. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I mean, to be fair, these were very great, amazing performers. And he, you know, would audition them and things like that, but but so much easier than, you know, nobody was, you know, requesting narrators or things like that. They just wanted to try and get content out. And he would hire me like several times a month. So I kind of learned on the job. So I listened back to some of those early ones and I'm like, but because it's such a highly technical medium that I just, you know, didn't realize how much, but he really guided me through those first few months. And then I was sort of off and running and couldn't take in enough information to try. Cause I was like, oh my God, I love this. I love everything about this. And, and that's sort of where I began. And then I think in that dump, I got my first Tara Civic book. And at the time, I, all the, most of the other books I had done for him were not in the romance genre. And I, they were fiction. And I think I did a handful of like nonfiction and some other, maybe I did a couple YA kind of things. And so I wasn't sure sort of like what the romance world was. I don't even think the romance world was then what it is now, that's for sure. And I think he had advised me you should come up with another name because there is still something out there, especially if you're doing other voiceover work and going out for soap operas or all these other things. So I was still producing, I was still pursuing a lot of on-camera work and stage work and things. And he was like, the last thing you want is for somebody to look you up and you're associated with like a racy title. And there was a part of me at the time that sort of felt like, racy title, like we're talking about sex here. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> you know, like my, 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 my sense of like, you know, I don't think I had the language then because we've only come up with it now, but like sex shaming wasn't, that wasn't a term, but I had felt sort of, I wasn't embarrassed by it. And I was like, I don't think I should be embarrassed, but all right, he, he knows. And like, and I think I'd spoken to a handful of like other narrators and they were all like, yeah, we all have pseudos. And I was like, oh, okay. Like just the thing to go along with. And then it was like a funny, like, oh, I have a secret name, you know, kind of thing. (laughs) And so I came up with the name CJ Bloom. It's really not that exciting. My first name, Carly. My middle name is Joelle. So CJ is where that came from. And Bloom is my mother's maiden name. And no, I don't use it for any of my passwords. Okay. Good. (laughs) And I felt like, I felt like Bloom felt like you know like a flower or like you know something sort of like yeah yeah, like birds and the bees sort of like euphemism kind of something or like imagery I don't know I sort of loved it and that's where CJ Bloom was birthed but I believe my first title was a Tara Civic who I have since worked with many times and talk about a romantic comedy oh my god have you I don't know if romantic comedy is one of the genres in romance that you gravitate towards but Otterly Scorched was maybe one of the funniest books that I have ever in my life narrated. <laughs> so I do, yeah. I do, yep, uh, I do love, I don't discriminate when it comes down to oh, genres. Okay. But there's some that I'm going, hmm, I'm like, okay, we'll try it. 
<laughs> I mean, it, I mean, blue aliens with multiple appendages. I'm like, okay, we'll try I, it. I, it's correct. That's definitely a niche. Definitely a niche. Yeah. Yep. But uh, <laughs> I will try anything once, uh, <laughs> at least. Uh, but I do love the romantic comedy because those are you kind of get a little bit of everything. You get the, you know, the, the romance part, you get some of the smexy time on the spicy stuff. Um, but you also get that comedy, which is so needed right now. Oh my goodness. So much. Yes. And also sometimes like we are that girl that, you know, Yes. so I'm like, like, I did not know I live a romantic comedy, but thank you. (laughs) I mean, there is a reason why everybody knows I carried a watermelon and it's because everybody has seen dirty dancing and you are that woman where you're like, I carried a watermelon. And then you're like, Oh my God, why did I just say I carried it? (laughs) We all know what that is. (laughs) Yeah. Or we always have, you know, or that hot guy that is also our BFFs and we're going, you know, and we're going, stop it, stop it. (laughs) So I know. And you sort of like push the personal boundaries of like what friends do, but you're just friends, but you're not, but you are. But yeah. yeah. So that's where romance kind of hits the bill, which is also why I love it because there's there's something for everybody. So if you do like the Ooh. aliens with the multiple appendages, um, or <laughs> the rom coms, or the you know, or the paranormal with the different shifters, and you know, the billionaires, there's there's something for everybody, and yes, you know, it's it's fun to kind of be able to discover that and totally, and and also the language of being able to learn that there is such a thing as potential sex shaming, things that are taboo. Oh, I did not realize I had that kink. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Didn't know that was called. All right. Thanks. You're like, Hey honey. And so people learn to, you know, be more themselves and accept themselves and try something new and be adventurous. So yes. Yes. I mean, I think in a weird, maybe interesting way when 50 shades came out, right. That changed the conversation of power dynamics in couples. That was like, a mainstream topic. I don't know when a romance novel has ever done that before. I mean, like, right? And I yeah. think that that's, I, I feel like that helped to sort of talk about things happening in the bedroom in a way that you never could have anticipated. So art and art and genre is very important. I think that that opened up the doors for as many issues as that book has when it comes down to the BDSM community Correct. and also some of the behaviors. Yes, I wouldn't say that it was representative. Right, any, but I am grateful for it. Right. Yeah. I am grateful that it did open the doors to of allowed to have the conversations of all those things and the proper aspect of them as well. But also the, you know, Hey, it's okay to talk about sex and it's okay to tell you what I like and don't like, and you can take it or leave it. (laughs) That's about it. I mean, that's a big deal that if that's all that it was, if that's the positive that came out, that's still a pretty big deal. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. And and I think it also laid the forefront to what we're currently listening to and reading and, and the diversity that we have in it as, you know, from different angles of things from, you know, the different tropes to the different genres, to the different styles Mm -hmm. of writing, even the audiobook stuff is a different kind of formatting aspect of it that is been around for eons because there were books on tape yes but the style has changed I think that's a that's a big conversation in the narrator community you know where there's this sort of like voice of God or you're just sort of giving like a straight read I think that that's an opinion of some listeners preference like they don't want too much emotion they don't want too much acting I put that in air quotes and then there's another side that wants the full performance. And it's always hard to know, right, what a listener is going to respond to. But I think it allows in this grand spectrum of what a great audiobook performance means. Some people, you know, become a little reductive in their reviews and they're like, they're always whispering. But <laughs> then when you're, sc- when you're screaming, they're like, you're always screaming. So you can't win. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think that that's where uh, it's a good conversation to have with the author prior to them casting is to figure out what the audience, you know, looks for in their book, in their series, in their world. Do you want someone that is going to be a little bit more godlike voice, you know, voice of God, as far as just telling you the story and I want someone to read it for me. And that's good enough because everything else on its own, or do you prefer one to have it be completely acted out as a, you know, to the third balcony kind of a thing, but then also goes into, well, is this dual or single duet multicast? And what does that look like? And how does that feel? And, and I think that we're moving forward to kind of going a little backwards in time to almost like radio show times. Yeah, <laughs> you know? no, I totally agree. Which is fun. I, I love it. But at right. the same time, I'm going. Hmm. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a new medium 
that is experiencing what will it be, right? Because it's ever changing. And so I also think, you know, crazy, but like authors aren't really in the performance world for the most part. And so you're asking authors to imagine a performance of their words. And that's a big ask, especially if depending on how as a narrator, you get cast. Sometimes you don't have access to the author, you know, or they request not to be in touch. There are so many, you know, complicated relationships of how the project winds up in my calendar, you know, is something that I, you know, get the benefit to record, but there's just so much more to it. And you're so right. Unless people who are listening recognize like, oh my God, so you have this book, it's set in the South. Do I decide to do an accent or not an accent? Like that's a, that's a big decision. And then do I cast a native or do I not cast a native because I really like this person's voice? So then maybe I don't do an accent, but maybe that was how I wrote it. And like Even just something small like that has really big impact in terms of how the performance goes. And half the time, you know, narrators, when they're entrusted with that, want to make the right decision, but aren't giving guidance to be quite honest. And so I think that that comes with um, experience. So there are some, you know, forums for narrators or when I I meet other narrators at events, you know, that's always a big question. Like they want to do these like big performance choices. And when they ask me, because I don't generally offer advice unless somebody is specific, because I feel like every artist is responsible for their own choices and have reasons for that. But if I am asked, you know, you, you really come back to the text, which is part of, you know, your acting training, which is what is the text telling me? If it's not written for an accent or it's not written specific to something, then you are just doing a generic understanding. And that is what the author is telling you. But sometimes it's hard to tell, you know, so it's, it's always a challenge. Yeah. Especially when romance now, the, the style for the past couple of years has been that dual POV where chapter one, female chapter two hero chapter yes, three yes. heroine and while or chapter prepping, 10 through 20 female and then yes. end epilogue male <laughs> oh god i'm like can you just be honest and tell me that he you know insert popular name of male narrator is only gonna be doing the epilogue so i'm not like anxiously waiting to hear him or like oh is this when he's gonna In, come? yes yes you know? me transparency too. Me transparency too. people transparency authors yeah, there was a huge backlash a few years ago with one author that was like that they were the the narrator was uh, very popular. It still is. And they were cast in the book and it was announced and everybody's like, oh my God, I can't believe he's doing this book. How awesome. Fast forward. And we're like, um, dude, it's just the epilogue. Uh, I feel <sighs> like I, I've been a, a handful of the books that I've done have had that exact response. It's yeah. terrible. Which I think it's, you know, as if I know it in up front, I'm fine with it. Um, I think authors are now starting to get a lot better at providing some of that insight, even if it's only in their reader group. But I think it needs to be done right. more publicly and openly right. to say that, hey, 90% of this title is in the heroine's POV. Thus, Correct. 90% of this book is going to be narrated by the female right. narrator um, and but X amount for like- yeah, but isn't that their challenge? Because they want them, the, the, the male narrators have the bigger star power ah, in the romance community. That's where we so need I- to start switching the visual. <laughs> because at the end of the day, it should be about the story. At the end of the day, I want a good story, whether he is an alien with multiple appendages or <laughs> the Dom that is also the mafia man who's also the billionaire. I mean, from the blanks, literally, you can do anything nowadays. I know. You know, right. but yes. I want a good story. If I want to hear sexy people, you know, or sexy voices saying sexy things, there's a website for that um, with memberships and a one offs. So, um, if that's what you want, that's one thing. But I think that we definitely, as a community, need to switch that mindset that it is yeah. a male narrator that is going to be the big draw. And it's the male narrator that, you know, potentially makes it or breaks the book. First of all, it's a, a genre that is for women written by women. Let's, I know. Isn't that crazy? Su- let's support our girls. Hello. Um, and not just say that we're supporting them. We're, I mean, obviously back them up. I mean, put your money where your mouth is in this case and support them by buying the book and, and trusting the author that they're 
casting the right narrators or the, or the hero of the narrators, but not rely solely on the big name, insert male name here. Because sometimes I will purposely not buy a book because he's in it because I'm tired. And oh, not because he, not because he's a bad dude, but yeah. a girl likes a variety. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. It up, I hear you know? You. And, yeah, and it's happened sometimes with the female narrators too, because there's some out there that, I mean, I love the loyalty authors. I really do. But a range of someone's voice can only go so far and they're going to start blending in my head and I'm going to forget what book I'm listening to because it's the same narrators over and over and over again. Mixing it up is okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, again, I'm huge. Yeah. I'm like, no, I, will I, hear you. I, hear with, you. I will bust out with, damn, when he said that line, mm and give him credit if he makes me cry because it was an emotional or oh my god that little kid voice but I'm also going to bust out with <laughs> damn she she's sounding like really sultry there or oh my god how she said that line and it's about having that support across the board and again it goes back to it's about the story if you're going to just get an audiobook because you want it to sell and you're going to hit any narrator at that point, you might as well just hit anybody that has a decent voice and have them record in the bathroom. <laughs> Unpopular opinion. I know. I'm sorry. I said what I said. <laughs> but it's definitely something that you guys as female narrators have been going through a lot as of late in the past couple of years where it's yeah, all guys, yeah. you know, they can do no wrong. And that's not true. They can do plenty, plenty wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hear you. I, 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 it's a, it's a strange thing, isn't it? You know, I, I think in the past year or two, I have definitely, in, just in my own work, been trying to balance with like some other genres and some some other styles. I think in the past year, I haven't done quite as many, you know, co-narration, you know, indie author kind of things. I've been, um, you know, trying to sort of give that balance for that reason, because I do think just like an actor, you you know, you love them in that rom-com or you love them in that thriller, but they don't want to do it again either because, you know, they, they've sort of given to that performance. And yet at the same time, it's also a job. And there are also, you know, relationships that one has with an author and, and they do love your voice. It's complicated. It's all, yeah. it's all so complicated. There's a lot um, of little nuances in there and I think that that's where it's important to have the conversations with your production company and with the narrators that you're working with and understand that girl I love you you know <laughs> kind of have that where like I love you but I'm going to go with this narrative doesn't mean I love you less uh <laughs> you know and, and they're just you know fill in the blanks it's, it's okay to make those decisions and as a narrator it's okay for you guys to not want to get stuck, you know, a typecast in a girl yeah. next door or the, you know, the fill in the blank kind of a role and, uh, and go into something different. It's good. You know, it's important to, to get that skill set. Also, it's like, a, a, like any instrument, the more you practice it at different angles, the better you're going to get at it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I hear you. I, I, um, it's also hard because like with anything, you want to work with your friends and the people you know, because you know, they're going to give you the product that you want. And so maybe you go with a new person and then that new person isn't so great to work with. And then you get a terrible production and you're like, see, I should never have gone with that new person. <laughs> Absolutely correct. Absolutely. I feel like everybody's got to weigh the pros and cons as they sort of navigate this really complicated and um, surprisingly, uh, you know, rough deadline. water sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a surprisingly you know like a stressful job because recording takes so many hours that it's 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 challenging to kind of you know make sure that you're getting through the project it's, itself in a timely fashion and under deadlines and people got have publication deadlines and people have marketing deadlines and people have release date deadlines and all these kinds of things. And yet my neighbor just decided that they were going to do construction and didn't tell me how dare they. Oh my and goodness. So now I'm, I'm working. <laughs> no, that didn't happen to me, but I hear it from a lot of people. Oh yeah. yeah. Where they're like, oh my God, the leaf blower. I had two chapters left and the leaf blower has been going for four hours. Oh God. Um, and you always, the, have the longest. People. I know. 
yeah <laughs> yeah but I think also that that goes back to not putting all your eggs in the same basket I know that's an old saying as yeah. well as you you don't you're never going to be able to get that opportunity if no one gives it to you being the newbie and so this is where I always tell authors what I'm what I'm casting and helping them with their casting projects and things like that I say okay well here's a new narrator don't put him as the hero or the heroine give them a side character make it almost like a little multicasty kind of a thingy or have them read right so then the book doesn't ride or die on him and you right hear how he's doing or you hear or or exactly and you and you hear the reaction of the listeners they're gonna be like either intrigued or hell no it goes one or two ways (laughs) yes of course i know know? Poor, poor narrators yes you know but then also talk to the to the production company hey how was it or how were they you know, did they, did they give you the files on time? Were there any, you know, issues with, you know, software? Are they still using 1980s equipment? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> are there communication? That's always a big yes. deal. Oh my God. Yeah. So that's where I think that if you just, you know, it's like when you, when you want to try a cupcake, you don't shove the whole thing in your mouth, dude, you just get a small bite, <laughs> you yeah. know, use a spoon. It's or so fork. challenging Actually, with like, if you work a lot in the indie world, sometimes you get booked a year in advance sometimes for a project. I'm not saying you're fully booked, but you will get a project in 2023. And you're like, oh my God, I don't even know where I'm going to be in 2023. <laughs> like, you know, it's nice to be wanted though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. And so you're like, I'm not going to turn that down. I'll deal with it then. And then you find out there's like a family wedding and you're like, oh my God, how could I have done that? It's a very surprisingly challenging aspect of becoming a narrator of how you maintain your schedule and to leave room for sometimes, you know, big, important books, you know, you audition and then they want you to record like a week later and you're like, how could this have happened? (laughs) Or heaven forbid, the achoo that just happened is not just a dust in the air. (laughs) It's a no, not sickness and not you sound like this you know and you can't record you know completely completely so much unpredictableness of life goes into this and it becomes surprisingly stressful but you also like I said can't predict any of those things and you're right variety is the spice of life I'm going to use another euphemism can't put all your eggs in one basket but I'm sure we can come up with a lot of them and I think that's what can maybe save you is that you maybe try your hand at a lot of different genres if you're able or maybe turn down something so that you have room for another but it's so hard to feel like you have the courage to do that I applaud people who seem to maneuver through that so easily and I'm always like damn they are just killing it they are doing such great work all the time and it seems like they're just getting the best books but you know then you talk to them and they're like I wish I was doing more XYZ and you're like oh yeah it doesn't matter everybody feels the same way <laughs> yeah or like I wasn't feeling that brave yesterday when I wrote that email saying I'm so sorry I can't do that book <laughs> it's crazy yeah it's yeah freelancing as someone that works in that but it's, it's a interesting um living where you don't ever yeah. want to say no but you also have to know what your limits and your your pros yeah. and cons are and you also have to take into consideration the clients sometimes they may love you. You're going to love them, but there's going to be that accent that you're like, I can't do it. Mm-mm. That's not in my box of tricks right now. And I don't have the time by the time this is being published to learn it, to work on it. Yeah. yeah. Agree. I know. And that's where I've, your networking comes in. Yeah. I've certainly had to do that. And I've certainly had to um, recently, you know, and I'm sure this is reflective in the listenership and, and some of the, the books that are, you know, currently happening and looking towards the future, but trying to get, you know, diversity and be truthful in casting. I think that that's a, you know, something that was always very tricky in the voiceover world because it was just a voice. So it didn't, we didn't know know what y'all looked like. We didn't know who you were. Correct. (laughs) Correct. And then people would make assumptions based on stereotypes of what a person of color should sound like or what a Caucasian person should sound like, or what an immigrant should sound like, right? There were all these tropes that could sort of fill in the blank to create stock characters that weren't fully realized, that were you know, fitting some sort of position in the narrative to service the hero and the heroine or you know, whoever. And we're really 
taking a step away from that and trying to have some truth and honesty um, because I think our narrators and, and other people in the voiceover world are becoming, you know, a little more recognized and are doing things like like this or going to book signings, yeah, different events or yeah, all this kind of stuff where it, now, now what you look like and where you come from makes a difference. And so, it, you know, it takes a while for things to catch up. And I think, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I always marvel, like a book comes to me and, you know, half the time just, you know, you've had so many narrators on here, so I'm sure your listeners are well aware, but like sometimes you audition, you're only given a snippet. You have no idea who you look like, where you come from. Sometimes they tell you an accent. Sometimes you don't know. You just sort of do it and then you get the book and they're like, here's all the things that come along with it. And then you read on page 50 and you're like, oh, I'm biracial. Wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) And I am, I am not biracial. So Mm -hmm. I would have thought like maybe the author or whoever had the audio rights would have put that into the you know, notes for who to cast. And sometimes, I don't know, it's human error. It just falls through the cracks or it's like you got hired for a series and it's like the third in the series and they never told you. And so it was like an easy, you know, for the, for the production house or the publisher that you're working with. And they're like, here's book three. And then you're about to prep it. It's the same world. So you don't have to do nearly as much prep. And so you're, you know, maybe a couple of days out from where you're going to record and you start looking through it. And then you're, you're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Yeah, this is a person of color. And those kinds of things are happy. They've certainly happened to me a handful of times. And, you know, as a freelancer, you always feel like, oh my goodness, am I going to go back to them and say, you know, you, you want to be very sensitive. You don't want to accuse them. Like, how dare you have hired me when you just realize it was probably human error. They're dealing with hundreds of books. This is not personal. This is not a, you know, anyway. So I think what it has done is given me a lot of empathy for all of the different hands that a project has to go through to be able to wind up on my doorstep. And then how many things can maybe, you know, fall through the cracks in terms of information as it gets to me. And, and that's something, you know, challenging. And I feel like I'm always working to get better on to be as authentic as possible in my performances and in my preparation and in my communication with my, you know, whoever's hiring me and in my, um, you know, counterpart, if I'm cast in a co-narration or a a multi-performance. It's just so interesting how things are changing in so many different ways. And I, and I hope that the listeners recognize that, you know, it's a bumpy ride and, you know, we're all doing the best we can, but also you're a freelance. And so it's hard to judge people when they accept a book, you know, to know the reasons why. So it's hard. Sometimes you got to make rent. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's where having these sort of conversations, a lot of, uh, there's been a lot more open doors as, as romance likes to say, either yeah. close behind the scenes or open the doors. There's been a lot more <laughs> open door conversations when yeah. it comes down to what it takes to make an audiobook and how many hands are touching yeah. it and authors, this is what you need to do. I mean, uh, Clubhouse has been a great app and meeting place for um, authors and narrators to kind of connect and have the conversations from you know what you consider before thinking about getting an audiobook into production and what does it take and having those you know I know that the uh, audiobook empire is going to be having a session uh, and they, they did it so cutely like so you're having an audiobook baby almost like a baby shower and <laughs> <laughs> and this is what to expect when you're expecting an audiobook <laughs> and they're going to do this workshop where they're going to walk the authors through every single step so they are wow, in the know, incredible. yeah, because it's, it's their baby, literally and figuratively. And they're at the end of the day, it's, it's their product that mm-hmm. we're adding a different layer from, you know, we're adding a dress to it or we're adding different shoes, accessorizing, but it, but it needs to make the author who is the owner of that product happy. And yeah. there's a lot of stuff that was always done behind closed doors that did not allow the author to have any insight or or say, I mean, it still happens in big publishing houses where the author doesn't even know an audiobook is being made (laughs) because yeah, Yeah, because they don't own the rights. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so those are the, those are the kind of conversations I think are happening up more out in the open and authors are also talking amongst themselves and having these conversations with each other and same thing with the narrators and saying, Hey, this works, this doesn't work, stuff like that is, is good, other stuff not so good, don't do that again kind of a thing. And it's important to have a conversation. And I think that that's where the community is getting a lot better. There's still work to have, 
but they're getting better, which is always in the totally. good, the positive direction to move. Even if it's slow, I must, I must have totally. it go forward than backwards. I, I feel like almost every time that I get hired, I'm learning something new that, you know, even if it's a run of the mill next project that I've been hired from this company or client multiple times. And I feel like it's still something always new that I'm learning. So it is ever changing. That is for sure. That's actually a great attitude to have as a freelancer. And as a person in general, I think that a lot of times individuals, whether it's corporate 500, fortune 500 companies, and they're the executive VP that can do no wrong because he knows it all. And you know, anything else, there's always a more to learn out there, whether it's a different way of doing something that you've been doing the exact same way for the past 10 years, adding a little bit of spice to this or a little bit more blend to that and, yeah. and learning the, what those differences are and just keeping your skill set honed better. That I think is definitely totally. something that a lot of the narrators, I think, are continuing to improve. And that's one thing that I've heard from them a lot when I had this, this chat with them is, I didn't know about that this and I didn't know about that that and now so now you know prepping is a lot easier because now I can color code and others are like oh hell no I'm not color coding shit <laughs> and so yeah. there's different ways of doing the exact same thing right all you're doing is prepping a book how you go about it varies and, and the same always. thing always I mean you know, yeah everybody has a different process I think the thing one of the things that I'm constantly working on as a performer is letting the ego go because that can be a big that could be a big roadblock in general as as we have these conversations with more narrators and more authors and it can certainly feel a little overwhelming like well I'm not working with that person and somebody doesn't like this and you can have a lot of noise around you to you know maybe have that you know bad side of what social media or interactions can have which is you know, you, you can start to self-doubt, you can have imposter syndrome, you can feel like, well, somebody didn't like that, but somebody did like that. And you can kind of drive yourself crazy. Oh, yeah. And that's a lot of ego in there to that, that saying it has to be done a certain way. And I, I'm constantly working on trying to release that. And from the moment of where I am on any given day, whether I, I had a good night's sleep or I didn't, I sit down in my dark booth. I prefer a almost pitch black booth. And um, <laughs> I begin on day one for where I am and, you know, come to like an emotional center and then have the book take me and then release it. I think that's a, that's a, that's a hard thing to not get in your head about and feel like, oh, I didn't say that line right. Or, oh, I should have gone back and done something or, oh, that wasn't fill in the blank. And that's the ego talking, right? When, when you were, if you were doing your job, which I, you know, I think everybody comes to it that way, if I'm being generous. And so from how that was led to that, and then you said that, and then that led to that. And so that's how the line came out. And so be it in that moment and to let, to shed it and to not be so, um, try to think so perfectionist or worried that somebody else did it a different way or speaks in a, a, a specific way. I feel like that can sometimes get you in your head in a terrible way. Oh, absolutely. The comparisons between oh. individuals. And I'm like, you guys should not be competing. There's a, trust yeah. me, there's more than enough work. For there's everybody. room. There's enough room. Yeah. There's only one you in yep. the entire world. Mm -hmm. so nobody can ever be you. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's good and bad. <laughs> Because it's just, Correct. yeah, um, sometimes I'm like, <laughs> thank goodness, thank yeah. goodness there is only one of you. And then thank goodness there is only one of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and even in my case with having a twin, technically I'm still only one, even though I have a, 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 cop, a carbon copy of it out there, but it's, Interesting. it's yeah, it's fun time. Um, <laughs> but I think too, that that's where I, you know, it's, and I keep saying, I think, but, um, it's important to kind of put that ego aside. And that takes a lot, a lot. It takes a lot. Daily work. Yeah. Daily work. And out, but also it takes you admitting you have an ego. <laughs> and some yeah. people don't yeah. do that. Don't admit like, it. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're up in there and I'm like, dude, you, 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 you poopy still stinks up there. Okay. So mm -hmm, yeah. check it. And, and this is, you know, learning that skill set of, of letting it go once you're done with it, because the perfection, in, I think most of us have a perfectionist in ourselves and how you yes. could have done things differently. That's why we're drawn to this kind of work. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But also then, but seeing that, okay, how could I have done it differently 
in a better way, whether it's working smarter, not harder, maybe doing the prep work three days before versus the night before, uh, <laughs> you know. And, and you're right. That is all about letting go of the ego as opposed to reliving the thing that you did. Right. Letting that go and then taking what you learned that didn't work and then moving on and, and, and trying not to let that thing yeah. sit with you. Learning it, just- implementing it, moving on. Correct. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Correct. Yeah. And, and it's also like, you're not going to always be the same, you know, one narrative is going to get cast more than you. Others have said it, you know, that, you know, someone else did it better than you. Yeah. But you know, we all have different ears. And this is also why there's like five different thousand types of red wine. Because yeah, we and all somebody's like going to love me more than they love somebody else. For mm-hmm. somebody, I'm their favorite narrator. And yeah. for somebody else, I'm their least favorite narrator. <laughs> and that's okay. And that's great. That's yes. great. Yeah. When everybody, that's what I always say that when someone is busting out with, it's a five-star review. Oh my God. The book is so great. Oh, the narrative. I'm going, I'm not going to believe shit you say, because not everything is a five-star review and not everything is a great performance. And that's where you have to have that ego taken out and, and say, okay, well, what did, what, what, what was it about it? My performance that maybe wasn't up to par. And the author was like, well, maybe I didn't have to describe the dandelion into 16 pages. Um, <laughs> and we just, we, we learn and we move on. And, and that's where that, you know, people just have to do it. And now we are living in a world where there's so many of you, I think there was a lot more now, obviously, because, you know, working from home, but yes, just the concept sure. of knowing that this is actually a possible gig. Like you were saying before, I didn't know that you could get paid to read books. I did not know that you can get paid to narrate them or produce them or hell. No, have I would have. Yeah. yeah. Business. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, like you want me to photograph and become a photographer to, to take hot pictures of guys. Shit. That yeah, would have been nice I to know. That. Yeah. And yet I, at the same time, right. They've been, you know, um, the sort of like Fabio covers from you know the seventies <laughs> and whatever they've been in existence forever, and yet I never once thought, oh, somebody has to take those pictures, or like somebody has to write those books. Yeah. Like, I, somehow it just was never like it just magically a, a, appeared. I uh, think in our heads. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yes, it's so weird. Because I'm going, wait, where, I, I, you know, no, why wasn't I not aware of this? I was a reader as in high school. I knew about books. <laughs> so how was I not aware of this? You know, it's, it's so funny, but I grew up listening. There was a company called, um, I, I don't know if it was called The Jabberwocky or Jabberwocky, but they did, it was a theater troupe. I think they were from like the Pacific Northwest or something. I'm not sure. But um, they read all of the classics. So like mm-hmm. Heidi, Little Women. Um, treasure island things like that and uh i used to listen to those over and over and over and those were full performances these actors were like you could tell they were even like very physical and things did did you listen to these when you were younger no but i'm I'm, i want to look them up now and find them you know i I, I was yeah (laughs) you know i've tried to google search them as an adult but they were only on tapes because I think I'm probably a lot older than you are. And I grew up in, I was born in California. So I think they may have been like a West Coast kind of thing because nobody else I knew, and maybe some somebody who's listening here has more information than I do. But um, I, I've spoken about this a handful of times with like friends on the East Coast and n- nobody, nobody grew up with this. So maybe it was just like a regional thing. And I was obsessed with those, but never when I wanted to be an actor, did I think, oh, I want to do that. I can do that. Like it never felt like that was something that was a job I could get. It, yeah. And, and, and uh, I don't, I don't know how you find out about these things. I guess you just constantly ask and talk about people or you have lunch with the friend of a friend of a friend and she randomly tells you about an engineer who's looking to hire you. <laughs> right. No, I think it, it, I think it goes back to a lot of the roles being more obscured and the things that we knew about were those that were in our faces, teachers, doctors, nurses, police officers, firefighters. Yeah. We never stopped to think. Tangible jobs. Yeah. Yes. We knew about there was a farmer, but we didn't know there was a dairy farmer and a, you know, a vegetable farmer. You know, we didn't know all those little details and the nuances that go with it. I mean, hell, even wine is technically considered farming if you're a winery. Right. And, right. and now, because we live in a world where <laughs> www.fill in the blank is so helpful 
that people mm-hmm. are starting to realize that there's all these different possible, you know, communities, communities. available to help yeah. guide you. I know it's incredible. Yeah. The couple of times that I've done workshops in high schools for high schools that I've been asked to come in and do stuff. Um, my, my husband is a teacher at a high school and also with the libraries and things like that. Um, career day. Cause they're like, Oh, you, you, you blog and you podcast. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's a lot of work. I'm not getting paid for any of those two things, by the way. Thank you very much. Um, but <laughs> doesn't mean it's any less hard, let any exactly. less exactly. Absolutely. Right. Sometimes it's even more, but I, I always say the, Hey, did you know that you could get paid to read books and, and all these little things that I've learned in the industry that are part of the industry as making it book that from the writing process, all the way to where it lands in your library, whether it's at home or little, literally a library. Um, and the kids are like, what? no way. <laughs> I don't have to be a doctor. Like my mom said, I go, no, sorry to for that bubble. Um, no, but no, you don't. I yeah. know. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can it's have incredible. It. Yeah. It's a, it's a good time. I think that we're living in where we have so much access to things unfortunately like with anything we have our bad apples but the other day I think it's also making that conscious decision of stepping away when you need to step away because it could get bad but it's definitely something that we are living that is so great where I can decide today if I want to listen to a billionaire or an alien or a shifter right (laughs) I know isn't it crazy yeah it's just crazy Mm -hmm. I know it's fun though. It's fun. I'm even more so it's funny too, when I've had listeners bust out with, Oh my God, Carly Robbins is so awesome. And CJ Bloom is phenomenal. And I love her in this. I'm going internally. I'm going in my head, girl, you don't know. (laughs) And they haven't put two and two together yet, whether because there was an accent or the tone of the book was different. And I'm going, but at the same time, I'm going, I love that you're so excited about Carly and CJ is so awesome. Isn't she? No, it's so funny, right? Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun. It's a great community. It's so fun. I know it is. I yeah. Know. And um, so one thing to speaking of this community thing that we're doing thing, and now we're kind yeah. of getting a little bit back to normal as far as you know, peopling and going out. You're gonna be doing two signing slash book conventions coming up. Um Can you believe it? I know. I um, can't believe it. No, yeah. they'll actually be my my first. I've never gone <gasps> to any signing, I've never done any sort of industry event like this I'm very nervous please be kind if you happen to be listening and then you will meet me in person um I have no idea what to expect I'm going in sort of bright-eyed and bushy-tailed if you were um, (laughs) yeah so accents we as we love accents and we're suckers for them I'm not gonna lie what's your favorite accent to perform that's a great question um I think sometimes the easiest one is like a Southern accent because it tends to be so much more lyrical mm-hmm. and I suppose it depends on which, which, which one, but I would say in general, like there's a musicality in the way that the words kind of sometimes like one word sort of bleeds into the next and it kind of has like a, like a sort of sing song as you kind of maneuver through. I think those might be fun only because, and maybe because I think sometimes you know, there's like a, a sort of Southern a- accent understanding that somebody's going to kind of be a little bit more blunt or maybe a little more <laughs> of like a, like a, like an eccentric character. And so m- maybe part of that comes with the kind of character that is embodying that. I just did a, um, I just did a book, uh, a Kristen Higgins book, um, and they needed like an Appalachian accent, but like, it was like an Appalachian on the Ohio border. And I had just done another something. So I felt really comfortable doing that, but wanted, you know, to be rooted in like the behavior of the character, not make it a caricature kind of thing. And those characters were like, so outlandish. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were just a touch of them. And it was like ridiculously fun to be able to perform those. I don't know. I guess just great characters. Great characters <laughs> make for great accents. That it's is true. so hard to, to, I mean, to, to put a, um, you know, like a, a favorite kind of title on that, but I think maybe that's where I'm settling. Okay. That's where I'm settling for today. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> now on the flip side, yes, the hardest, the hardest accent for you to perform. I cannot do an Australian accent. I mean, that's not true. 
I can do like a couple of sentences and then my brain gets jumbled and that's about it. And I can do it fair, like a very light something. It is the hardest. My brain just does not compute it. I, that was a book I had to turn down where yeah. um, after I was cast and I was like, you do know this is asking for an Australian accent and I am not capable of doing an entire book that way. Yeah. And so, yeah. That was a good call though. Again, I mean, we, we touched on it before. It's even, I mean, you can try. Um, <laughs> the results no, are listen, not even- I, I also not sure that I can do a, like a, a, um, like a, a British or like a generic British sort of accent I don't do it that well. I do it like as a taste. And um, in the TL Swan series, one of them wound up being that. And I was like, I think you guys need to recast me. And it was a big conversation between the production house, the author, my co-narrator, <laughs> everybody. I submitted like tons of samples um, because I was like, I want everybody to be very clear. This is what my limitation is. And it's not going to be like, she was rooted in the culture. There was no way I was going to be able to do that authentically. Um, and um, and everybody was okay with what I did that the author wanted me to continue with the series, didn't want to, um, and it was done, you know, with one, plenty of time they could have recast. So, I mean, I have no idea people probably loved or hated it. Um, but that was, that was an instance where that was definitely a conversation for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's yeah. definitely an ongoing conversation with the listeners mm-hmm. too, as far as, yes, we love the accents and yes, we, you know, it, they're great, but sometimes you don't need to go all in as yeah. long as you give me a hint. It's distracting. Yes. yes. Just a yes. little bit of something I know. And it's yeah. a, it's a challenge to figure out what that slight something is to give a hint that doesn't need to go more than that because you you love the voice and the the character interpretation and all those things. Yeah, I was a part of a an author was asking about uh, like almost like a sensitivity reader, but I was still she was still in the writing process. Mm-hmm. And me being Latina, um, one of her characters was going to be Latina too, and they were thinking about like certain words and things that I go so I go okay bio the character were they born and and raised yeah. here in the states or were they born and raised somewhere else and then traveled over here because that's a lot right and that's and, a lot that's a lot yeah. right there because yeah. there are plenty whose parents speak spanish and they don't speak spanish I mean, exactly can, that's where i was going wide range. that was yeah, exactly where totally. i was going the immigrant and and i would say that's probably like an immigrant ex- a very very common immigrant experience regardless of where your parents yeah. came from yes to assimilate Definitely. as fast as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And so, and then, so she, <laughs> yeah. And so it turns out that she was born and raised here in the States, but they mm. spoke Spanish in the house. And I'm like, okay, mm. so you want her to speak Spanish in between like a Spanglish thing. Yeah. And, and long story short, I go, just let her talk Spanish when she's really pissed off or when she's saying something sexy. Right. And because that's, that's a character choice. Yes. And that's it. Exactly. And I go, that's usually when my Spanish comes out is when I'm pissed off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Or there's something loving going on. And it's, it could be just a, even among friendships or even like if I'm trying to describe a dish, you know, but the words doesn't come out in English because right. there's right. a little more drier and then there's a Spanish word for it. Boom. There you go. Um, mm. and they're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Again, you know, it goes back to just doing that little bit of research, but it those uh, with the accents too. I'm like, not everybody is Mexican. Right. And not everybody has that, but it's good that you, you know, you, you had that conversation with the production company and the author and the co-narrator and, and figured it out, you know? I mean, and, and it's, and I was lucky that all were willing participants and I was able to have access to all of them, you know, because that doesn't always happen. And then you're sort of left with like, what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. It's always yeah. good when that lines of communications are open. So okay. here's a couple of fun, fun questions for you. Yeah, go ahead. I know this might be weird, but when you're not working, what do you do for fun? Because <laughs> you're oh, always working. Not, I'm always working. <laughs> that's but why. I will tell you that is not, that is not difficult. I cook and I bake oh, nice. I, and I dream about food. Oh yeah. Ooh, oh, you're a foodie. Oh, I'm a big foodie, but not like, um, not like a fussy foodie. Like I, 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 um, I don't always follow recipes. I like to read recipes and then sort of like riff on my own. And my most favorite thing to do is source ingredients. So I love to go to grocery stores 
And I love to go to specialty food markets and like walk up and down the aisle and look at everything that there is available. And I especially like, uh, like um, if it's like an ethnic, a particular, like, uh, like I'm in a Japanese grocery store or I'm, I'm in a, a you know, um, a sort of any sort of food something and they have a grocery store dedicated to that, I'm ecstatic because it's generally things that I won't get in a, in a, in a generic grocery store, yeah. grocery store. And so they're ingredients that I never even knew existed, that kind of thing. And then how do I incorporate that into my food? I'm super into it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I bake and I cook. So okay. the whole thing. Yeah. Yep. So, so what's the Carly special? When it comes down to oh desserts, goodness. like baking and then savory stuff. So I do, I like to bake a lot of breads. Uh, I, I like to mix actually flavors. So I like to do a lot of the different flavors. So I like to do a lot of like herby. Mm. So like if I'm going to make a shortbread, I will probably do like a lemon and then thyme shortbread or a lavender shortbread. So it's got a little salty, a little sweet, a little like a floral kind of thing. I love to do that kind of stuff for my desserts. Or like um, I made this, um, um, like, I, and I, and I uh, so I like to mix a lot of different like flowers and things. So like an almond flour cake that's like maybe orange and thyme or like rosemary and lemon or something like that where I'm doing like a little bit of like a lot of different flavor components and then for when I'm cooking I cook a lot of like Asian cooking surprisingly or like flares but like like a like a Jewish Asian kind of fusion in my own (laughs) (laughs) which I don't really honor the ingredients so like you know, soy sauce is so versatile and it yes. gives you like that salty umami, like really kind of like hits so many different parts of your palate. I love to add those kinds of things mm-hmm. with um, some ginger or um, I even just made, oh my goodness, what did I make? And I added um, like chaat masala from, cause I had some Indian spices and and somebody was eating it and they were like, what am I eating? And I was like, I know, right? It like <laughs> added all these like, so many like mind blowing sort of flavors. That is a total happy space for me, a great way to unwind. I know that I am putting like all my love and my emotions into the ingredients and the food. And I know that my friends and family are going to eat it. And then I live in an apartment building. So I give them to all my neighbors and my Aww. building staff. We, we live in a door. Oh yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm like, do you guys want X, Y, and Z? And they're like, sure, we'll take it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I'm constantly giving away food. It's my most favorite thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Sounds like fun. Yeah. Especially like the lavender, those mixes or the, those breads huh. sound yummy. I have it. <laughs> yep. Totally. I'm a breadhead. So I'm like, Ooh, let's try that. <laughs> totally in it. I'm in it. Mm-hmm. So when there's usually a song that comes up and when that song comes up for an individual, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter where they're at. If they're, mm-hmm. They have to sing at the top of their lungs or dance. Yes. Dance yeah. or sing to it. What's that song for you? Oh my goodness. I, I mean, you know, there are so many, I, I, you know, I, I had said in the beginning that I, when we started this conversation that I grew up doing musical theater and I think that just gave me a love of all music. So I actually love all genres of music. Um, and I can tell you like in, in one sort of day, so I heard hotel California, there were like some landscapers that were playing and I was immediately singing that. Then I was listening to um, a Taylor Swift song, uh, We Will Never Ever Get Back Together. And I was like, why am I screaming this at the top of my lungs? That all happened within like an hour. And then I think, um, what was the other song that just came up recently? Oh, I think it was a Fleetwood Mac song, Landslide. Like, how can you get wrong with Landslide? Doesn't everybody (laughs) love Landslide? I think I was like, and my daughter was looking at me like, why are you singing like a crazy lady over there? And then she was, had a smile on her face. So maybe she just accepted it. I feel like that all happened within like six hours of a day. And I was totally into all of them. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I would get a copy of your playlist. That'd be fun. (laughs) I love playlists when they come speaking of in books. I do a, um, a, the Bergman brothers series. Uh, super talented author and um, she does playlists and they greatly inform how I'm, I listen to them religiously before I record. 
Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I know. I love yeah, it when the authors can chapter. provide us mm-hmm. a little bit more of that insight, whether it's the character, yep. where their or, mindset is at, or like what the emotion chapter is going to. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Gives me a little bit of direction. Yeah, mm-hmm. I even talked to an author that listens to the uh, playlist, and the conversation kind of goes in the cadence of the song. That's so cool. I know. What artistry. Oh my I goodness. Talent. Like, wow. Yeah, I'm like super cool. I'm like, good thing. I'm, I just want the finished product. Thank you. I let you do the work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to let you do the work and yes. I will just listen. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Cause that's a lot of work, but, um, but you, when you guys enjoy it, that's not really what you consider work. So it's, it's totally. fun time. Yeah. All totally. right. So we have hotel, California landslide and never going to get back together by Taylor Swift. <laughs> Perfect. And I wouldn't say those are like my favorite songs in the world, but I certainly know the lyrics and they come on and you're like, why am I singing crazy? Yeah, yeah. no, that's good though. That's good to know. I'll add that to my playlist. So next time um, we hang out in public yes. and you hear that, boom, yes. you're going to have a Carly performance. We'll make, yeah, we'll make eyes at each other and that's yeah. the way it'll go. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, that's my goal. Because I'll be like, why are you asking them that question? I have a plan. It's okay. <laughs> I'm evil and diabolical that way, darling. Um, but no, it's fun. It's, it's I like knowing those kind of things because a I'm not the only one. <laughs> and sometimes when I listen to a song, I'm like, oh, I remember that. Cardi likes that yeah, song. I know it's an emotional experience. Music yeah, gives you an emotional experience. I totally yeah, feel that. Totally. So you work with words a lot. All yes. day long. And um, yes. but what's your favorite word separate from favorite curse word? Because that's mm. the second part of this conversation. Oh, got it, got it, got yeah. it. Um, one of my favorite words is aphrodisiac. Nice. And um, we use it a lot in narration. And I pronounced it wrong one of the first few times that I did. I said aphrodisiac with like a z. One of those examples of like something that you only read previously, but it's aphrodisiac. And it's mm-hmm. just such a like, I don't know, it has such like a whimsical, when it comes up in the word I, or come up to, when it comes up in my narration, that's always a fun word to be able to perform. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what's your favorite curse word? Well, I have two. I like fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Cause you can combine the two together and you have well, another, you know, I mean, the world is your oyster with those two. You can't go wrong. Yeah. yeah. That works. That's awesome. Yeah. Before we go, can you tell yes. us what you're currently working on? What's coming up next for you? Projects and stuff that you can talk about. Totally. I have a wide variety. I have a children's story that I'm doing, which I'm super excited about. I have a magazine a short story that I'm doing. I have the next in the TL Swan coming up this summer. And I think I have, do I have anything else super like top secret? I don't think I have anything top secret coming up, but I'm finishing up a couple of series and I have like a wide variety of genres coming up. And I think I did this, um, I did a series, an audible original something coming up. I don't even think I can talk about it yet because it hasn't been released. That was super awesome to be a part of that. So I don't know, I'm trying to really, get my hands on all different kinds of audio projects, see where this medium takes me. How can it expand? How can I use my voice? What are interesting things that I can do and be a part of, and then just be super grateful when I get cast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that we get excited as listeners when we're like, a book's been announced. Great. Okay. Mm -hmm." And then we know we have to wait for the cover reveal. Yeah. Okay, yes, okay. Well, oh, that's a good cover. And then then I have an author that then DMs me and says, we're going to announce it soon. I'm like, okay, good. Cause that was my next question. Who are the narrators? <laughs> I know that's always yeah. fun when they do a little tease, right? Yeah. I mean, like I'm part of probably the one that ke- kind of ke- created that marketing plan for that one author. But at the same time, I'm going, who did you decide on? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me, tell me. I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. It was like that song. I can't wait. Um, totally dating myself there. But anyways, <laughs> But thank you so much for being part of this year's audiobook loving series. Love talking to you. Thank you. I am thrilled. I'm so excited that I was asked and that I was able to be here. I'm so grateful for you, like I said, and for this community because you, 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 you know, bring us closer to our fans and give us so much information that we didn't have before and, and open up a world of communication where we can all just talk about our love of audiobooks. It's pretty awesome. 
Yeah, no, it's great. I totally appreciate you guys wanting to do this and willing to, and I appreciate the trust that comes into play with that as well. Um, because, you know, we're talking and that's a lot, you know, it's a lot. Yeah. So I, I appreciate that, but I, you know, thank you for hanging out with us and everyone that's listening. Thank you, Carly, for being part of this year's audiobook loving series. Everyone, thank you for hanging out with us today. And we hope you've enjoyed this chat as well as the series. Make sure to follow her on social media. If you have not done so yet, you will find their links on the audiobook loving 2022 series page over at Viviana in chapters of books. And until next time, happy listenings. Thank you for joining us in the audiobook loving series hosted by Viviana in chapters of books. We hope you have enjoyed this episode as well as the series. We've included audio samples of our guests' work within the post for you to check out. Please make sure to visit the main page, link within the post, to learn more about the series, the authors, and the narrators. Please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to the series if you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to follow us on our social media platforms and subscribe to the Viviana Enchantress of Books newsletter. Until next time, happy listening. Audiobook Lovin' hopes you've enjoyed this program 